Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Tigris. I am so excited to be back. I know it's been a few weeks but you know what things have been really hectic and it doesn't help that I've been having braces issues. For any of you who have been following along for the last two years I've had braces on the bottom of my teeth for the last two years and I woke up today International Women's Day of all days with a broken wire so I had to make an emergency appointment and go in. Anyways, how does this relate to podcasting? Well, it's not so fun when I have wires poking into my teeth because I have those braces that are like behind your teeth. So I got them because I didn't want them to show on the outside. But, you know, I could do a whole episode of how the orthodontist that I've been with have made my teeth worst. They've given me a slant. And now here I am two years in to having braces when I was only supposed to be three months. Um, But you know what? The company that I got my uh, braces from, they gave me a refund just because it was so obvious that they fucked up. But you know what? We're here. We're podcasting. Even though my tongue's a little raw right now, I've missed all of you so much. And I've also so appreciated those of you who listened to my last episode and gave me actual feedback. So in the last episode, I talked a little bit about my frustration with medication and how I was getting a just a lot of different advice from my psychiatrist to continue increasing my dosage, which for me, especially as someone who didn't grow up in a household where medication, antibiotics were super normalized, just continuing to be prescribed medication doesn't sit right with me as like a long-term solution. So in the last episode, I talked a little bit about the recommendation to try ketamine infusion, which is super scary to me because I know ketamine as the horse tranquilizer Um, you know, recreational drug uh, that makes you hallucinate things. And I have never touched it. You know, I've played around with other other types of substances, but not ketamine. Um, But I released that episode and I was actually really nervous about talking about it because I feel like anytime I talk about meds or getting my prescription like increased, I am always nervous that people are going to judge me and people are going to think that I'm crazy. Um, but I recognize that that's not the case. Um, Anyways, I was just super, super touched by those of you who reached out with your own stories of doing ketamine infusion or telling me um, about your friends who've done ketamine infusion who have, um, you know, given, given, you know, great things to say about it. Um, Anyway, so just wanted to start off by saying thank you because it really does mean a lot when I hear that feedback and seeing the type of response to my last episode is what inspired me to go through my podcast analytics on the back end um, of where I upload my podcast and just see what kind of episodes have been resonating lately. And I saw that the most listened to recent episode was actually um, the one I did about baseball. If you didn't know, uh, a fun fact about me is that in high school, I was the only girl on the boys varsity baseball team. It's how I got my varsity letter. I was on the uh, varsity team for two two years. Um, And I saw that and I was really surprised because I feel like a lot of why I think people listen to the podcast is because I talk about mental health or, you know, being a recovering girl boss. But It was fun to see that I could reminisce on something that, you know, to me maybe is just a detail about me that's been hidden for so long that doesn't always feel like it's related to what I do now, um, that I could reminisce on this memory and just kind of reflect on like what it means and that it was something that resonated with y'all. So 
it inspired the episode that I'm going to do today, um, which is all about my first ever job or what I consider to be my first job. So this is not babysitting. Um, This is purely uh, me in my first paying job where I'm getting paid by someone not to watch kids um, and also uh, not by one of my parents. So when I was a freshman in high school, I signed up for mock trial and mock trial is something that I wasn't like passionate about, but I think I was excited to do because it was like what overachieving type A kids did. And, you know, I very much was like obsessed with getting into college. And I remember, I think my mom telling me about needing to do speech and debate because she did speech and debate and, you know, got into Harvard. And I was like, okay, but my school doesn't have speech and debate. So let me do what seems like the closest thing to that. Um, So I started doing mock trial and Mock trial for me was actually really fun because I didn't do it. And, you know, in mock trial, you pretend to do these cases. You're cast in different roles, whether you're like the opening prosecutor or opening statement, closing statement, um, you know, cross-examination or a witness. Um, But you basically like put on a play of this, uh, put on a play of this court trial. And some of them are inspired by real ones and you get a bunch of exhibits. Anyways. I had a lot of fun with it, and even though I ended up eventually becoming captain, one of the captains on mock trial, um, I had fun with it not because I ever was playing a lawyer role, but I always played the witnesses. So I was always really into like being cast as the mom of like the daughter who got a concussion or the son who was hazed and died. Like I was always really into playing like the dramatic emotional character. Um, and I think it's just because it was a way that I could take this thing that I was doing more as a resume building um, reason of mock trial and do it in my own way that was just really fun and um, not like what I considered work, but was just like, I'm going to just be, you know, take this script and take these facts and, you know, bring in my own character and become a witness. Um, anyways, so I did mock trial and I started to really bond with the mock trial like volunteer coach um, who was a local lawyer um, who did like insurance law and we became really close I think I've always got along well with my coaches partly probably because I'm a teacher's pet but also because like with mock trial it was a lot of rehearsals or not rehearsals we call them practices or scrimmages Um, and so I spent a lot of time with the mock trial team the other captains um, and even as a freshman like I was really trying to show how committed I was to the club. And so I definitely got closer to the coach as well. And I believe it was my sophomore year summer where I was sort of talking to my coach and putting the word out there with some of my favorite teachers that I was looking for a summer job and I needed one that paid because, I mean, it was very well known in my school that I was like the scholarship kid. Like I was, um, I was, you know, being brought to the different uh, school fundraisers to talk about being a financial aid student. And I was frequently in the offices or even talking to the mock trial coaches, um, or the coaches of anything else that I was on asking for scholarships for like travel. And when everybody went on like a retreat to practice for the mock trial scrimmages, like I needed financial assistance, same thing for like the team sweatshirt. So it was like, well known in the school and I think amongst the administration especially that like I was a scholarship kid and you know I think that 
for me, like I, I got to a point where I had no like shame about it. And um, I think that I'd kind of gotten over the nervousness over like what other people would think because it just by my sophomore year felt unavoidable. Um, and so, uh, yeah, basically coaches knew that I was on the lookout for a job. And my uh, mock trial coach came to me and he was like, I think in his 60s at the time, um, you know, white haired dude, also coached the JV2 soccer team, um, just super, super sweet and respectful. Um, and basically he came up to me and just told me that his legal assistant slash paralegal was pregnant and about to go on maternity leave and he needed someone to take her place. And so without having ever heard of what a paralegal was or what they did or even understanding like what real law slash litigation looked like, I said yes. And I was so excited about having an hourly real job where I could go into an office and make money. And I worked there um, full time over the summer, um, both for the summer after my sophomore year and the summer of my junior year. And I made $12 an hour and I absolutely loved it. It was like, I think for me, it was my first experience like working with all adults, which made me feel really adult. And I've always you know, loved doing things that made me feel adult. Um, but I came in, you know, wearing, uh, I think I wore like whatever my mom helped advise me was um, business appropriate. And I came in and I met with the two legal assistants. It was two legal assistants and then three lawyers. They're the partners of the law firm. And I came in and she was so pregnant. And before she left to give birth, uh, I went through a pretty intense training of learning how to like go through depositions, do a lot of copy editing. Um, I was transcribing a lot of things. So I was learning to transcribe and listen to interviews about like, when uh when someone's you know apartment caught on fire and why they were looking for insurance money i was doing a lot of transcription i was putting my typing to the test um and yeah basically for two summers in a row i was a paralegal um of course when you're a paralegal uh you know usually you need a degree and so i'm not going to say i did all the paralegal things because i obviously didn't um, I was very much working with um, the other paralegal in the office and, you know, kind of being her assistant more so. Um, but yeah, it was my first like real paying job and I really loved it. It made me feel super adult. Um, and I think I learned a lot from it uh, mainly. And I hate to say it and I've never told uh, my former bosses. Um, it taught me really how to multitask because as much as I appreciated the job and I loved it, um, well, it was really boring work. Transcribing interviews, typing them up, listening to them over and over again is not fun. Um, filing paperwork over and over again, um, putting snacks away uh, in the snack drawers, um, uh, printing out phone call notes uh, for the older legal partners who didn't like anything digital or text. Um, that's not super fun work. So I got really good at multitasking and that was really the summer that I started to be really good at watching TV and doing work at the same time. So leading to like my takeaways, one, I enjoyed making money. $12 an hour seemed like a lot to me at the time because my babysitting rate, I think was $10 an hour starting when I was like 12 or 13. Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And then, um, 
I learned how to multitask. I binge watched like all of Glee or all the Glee seasons up to then. Um, I remember binge watching Gossip Girl for the first time. So that was like a really big part of my like what I was obsessing over at the time. Um, and also my sophomore year summer is when I started multitasking in the office and started building the nonprofit that at the time was called Camions of Care. So, you know, my whole sort of entrepreneurial journey, you know, it started when I was, you know, that sophomore summer in June, I went to this uh, sort of like conference for young women who had an idea to quote unquote, like change the world. Um, and so I joined that and kind of came away with it this with this idea of wanting to address period poverty and talk about periods and break period stigma and um, created a nonprofit organization that is called Camions of Care, or that was called Camions of Care. We rebranded after uh, two years um, to become what is now known as Period, the menstrual movement, an organization that is still going and growing. Um, but you know, when I wrote my book and when I talk in interviews, I talk about how I started it the summer after my sophomore year and I was working on it all the time. Um, and I was, you know, staying up late and working on it, you know, doing my homework, working on it, um, which is absolutely, uh, absolutely so, so true and accurate. But the part that gets, um, that part that gets left out a lot is that a lot of the work I was doing, growing the organization, putting together like the initial plans and emailing our first ever partners and texting back and forth with my, um, with my co-founder at the time was actually during my work hours where I was like, kind of pretending to transcribe um, deposition recordings um, and file paperwork, but really was like doing it as fast as I could, um, being really, really efficient with it, and then spending more of my time in the office, uh, getting paid $12 an hour to basically sit and like be at a computer, forced to be at a computer and work on what became a nonprofit. Um, and yeah, so it's just when I was looking at like the kind of the podcast episodes that were resonating and, um, you know, just kind of reflecting on like the things that I did in high school, the things that I don't really think about anymore uh, because they're not parts of my life or like past jobs where I started to make money for the first time, be in professional settings for the first time, um, being put in places where I had to like interact with professional adults for the first time, like there are these random odd jobs that I've done. Like I haven't even gotten into all the jobs I had in college. Um, fun fact, I worked in the musicology department for quite a while as a research assistant. Um, like there are all these random things that I did um, as jobs that I just like don't think about. And um, actually when I was talking to my therapist earlier today, she was the one who was like encouraging me to, you know, not be so uh, dismissive about my podcast deadlines because it is one of the things that I do that is just like sit down, dedicated time to reflect. Um, so that's what I'm doing here. And yeah, I will always be thankful for my mock trial coach who took a chance on me and thought that I could be a fill in for um, a fully professional certified paralegal um, and for the other paralegal in the office who really trained me and watched over me and um, thankful for the office space where I really built out the beginnings of the nonprofit of what you still see out there in the world today. Um, and I, you know, in the second summer, I also did it um, full time. But by the end of the summer before my senior year, I was doing it a bit part time because I was also teaching. Um, so I was teaching at an organization called Self Enhancement Inc., which is an all black low income um, charter school in Portland, Oregon. And I was teaching there, I was teaching like a workshop on entrepreneurship. 
So it was just, it's just cool to reflect on like how quickly things changed and um, doing all of that. And um, yeah, and when I get asked about mentorship, like throughout my life, I think people often think that the mentors who I had close relationships with, um, you know, were women working on periods and feminism. But like, honestly, I, beyond my mom, I don't think I had a lot of, you know, big feminist, female entrepreneur mentors. Like that just wasn't my network. It wasn't like a professional network I had um, and nothing in comparison to what I have now, obviously, because I was just starting that. So when I was a high schooler in Portland, Oregon, um, working at a legal law firm that works on insurance, um, my mentor was my mock trial coach, who was a old white man in his 60s who in his free time volunteered to coach soccer and coach um, uh, mock trial at the alma mater that he went to as a high schooler. So for me, like that was my mentor. That's a mentor that I was literally emailing with earlier today uh, because I was asking him for some uh, legal referrals for one of my friends. Like this is a close mentor of mine who also wrote one of my recommendation letters for Harvard and um, is someone that I hope I will have a close relationship with for a long time. So yeah, that's it. That's my that's my daily reflection of the day. Um, my big goal for this week is just to try to get to sleep on time because I haven't been the best about it. But you know what? It's because August has a really big announcement coming soon. Um, and it is that August is launching in stores uh, later this month. And we're launching in stores nationwide. I cannot say which store, but just know it's so exciting. And I'm so excited to share the news with all of you. But that's why that's why my schedule's been a bit hectic. And um, I've just been, you know, really trying to uh, sit down and record the podcast um, with any free time I can, which today is at midnight, um, talking about my first job as a paralegal. Um, anyways, love y'all so much. Thank you so much for listening. Listening, And as always, um, I love hearing recommendations from y'all of what you want to hear about and everything. So let me know. Bye, y'all. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.